0: Good day, all. Welcome to another season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, your one and only Dr. Kamla Dee, here to teach you Bible truth, to help you grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace by teaching Bible truth. Not my truth, Bible truth. Here we read scriptures that contain God's word. Remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on get your bibles invite family and friends take notes and let's learn bible truth good morning saints today is sunday it is january the 8th of the year 2023 I am the host, founder, and teacher, your one and only Dr. Kamala D. and I truly hope this day finds you and your family well, and in a sound mind, and that you are sane, because we are living in an insane world. In any event, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice in it, and I ask that you join along with me to rejoice in this day. Now they say hallelujah is the highest praise. So on the count of three, let's say hallelujah together. One, two, three, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to see another day. And I pray that this word goes forth and accomplishes that which you have set it out to do. My Lord, I know that your word will never return to you void. And those who are listening under the sound of my voice that needs healing. Lord, I pray that you send your word and heal them. Just like you did in the New Testament. Hallelujah. You send your word and deliver them in the name of Jesus. Lord, hallelujah. Don't let me get started with my praise because I'll never stop. Hallelujah. God is good. Yes, he is. Saints, with that said, let's trot on over to 2 Kings chapter five. Second Kings chapter five. Now we are exploring the heroes of faith in the old Testament. And this series is entitled a faith that surpasses all understanding. Now there's going to be a, a little twist in this episode, because although we will be reading about a faith that, uh, surpasses all understanding, we also will see the power of God, how he can heal a non-believer by the faith or through the faith of a believer. Hallelujah. Kings, Second Kings chapter 5. Now you guys know the routine. You can pause the tape while you search for 2 Kings and, and when you find the scriptures, you can press play and we will be on the same page. I am reading from the NASB today, the New American Standard Bible. Yes, saints, yes, I do switch up every now and then. One of the reasons I think I need to share why I switch up uh, versions of the Bible every now and then is because I know that a lot of the listeners don't use the traditional King James or the new King James or the NIV. Those are the most popular versions of the Bible. And I have several, and I do choose the version of the Bible that typically is closest to the original scriptures and based on the topic. Uh, because If I don't choose one that is closest to the original scriptures, which is Hebrew, Aramaic and uh, Greek and Latin, the Bible uh, as a whole, Old Testament and New Testament together were written in those four languages and and some others, but I I won't list them at this time, only if I am sharing scriptures that were originally written in that language. But saints, uh, with that said, let's get this truth on the road second Kings chapter five, and I am reading verse one. Now, Naman, captain of the army of the king of Aaron, Aram, A-R-A-M is also Syria, was a great man with his master and highly respected because by him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. By naming, the Lord had given victory to Aram, which is Syria. The man was also a valiant warrior. He was courageous, but he was also, or, but he was a leper. Depending on what the what version of the Bible you have, it says, but he was a leper in the NASB. And a leper is simply someone who has a skin disease, a very bad skin disease. Disease. Now, uh, let me share some information uh, about Naaman or Naaman. His name should be spelled the same in no matter what version of the Bible you have, N A A M A N. But my studies show that it is pronounced Naman. It's a common name in ancient Aram or, or Syria. It means gracious or fair. So he was a gracious and fair man. Now, four phrases uh, describe the importance of Naaman. One, he was the supreme commander of the army of Aram, as indicated by the term captain. He was used uh, of uh, an army's highest ranking officer. And uh, he was a great man, according to the Bible, a man of high social standing and prominence. He was highly respected. He was a man highly regarded by the king of Syria because of the military victories he had won. He was a valiant warrior. This is a term used in the Old Testament for both a man of great wealth and a courageous warrior. Now, what was severely mitigating against all of this was the fact that he suffered from leprosy. This was a serious skin condition, like I mentioned earlier. Now, the king of Syria or Aram at that time was Ben-Hadad I, or it was most likely Ben-Hadad II. Now, when the Bible says by him the Lord had given victory to Aram or either Syria, Naaman's military success was attributed to the God of Israel. Who is sovereign over all the nations, okay? And and the reason why I say that, because uh, you can cross-reference disinformation in Isaiah chapter 10, beginning at verse 13, and um, I forgot that other scripture, and I, I really don't have those notes in front of me that you can cross-reference, but tr- uh, you can read Isaiah chapter 10, verse 13. For those of you who are following me, with these teachings. Now let's pick up at verse two. Now the Arameans had gone out in bands and had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel. She was a little Israelite and she waited on Naaman's wife. Verse three, she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Now, the master she was talking about was Naaman. The prophet she was talking about was Elisha. The former prophet, Elijah's former protege. That's who she was talking about. Now, Elisha had a home or maintained a home in Samaria. So that's where he was located. And this little girl knew that He healed. But what she didn't know, because remember, she was a young girl, is that God healed, but he healed people through the faith of the prophets and those who believed that God could do the healing. Now, verse four, Naaman went in and told his master, saying, thus and thus spoke the, the little girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Aram of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, and 6,000 shackles of gold, and 10 changes of clothes. Now, the king of Israel at the time was Jehoram. That's that's who the king of Israel was at that time, my study shows. So, your Uh, version of the Bible may have his name in there, but the the NASB has the King of Israel, but it was Jehoram and 10 talents of silver and and 6,000 of shekels of gold. It amounts to 750 pounds uh, of silver and 150 pounds of gold. I just thought I'd share that. Verse six. Now, every now and then I may call out the number to the verse that I am on. Because for the most part, I'm going to just be reading through so that I won't stop. Verse six says, he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, and now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman, Naman, my servant to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man is sending word to me to cure a man, his leprosy of his leprosy, but consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. Now it's obvious here that the king of Israel, Jehoram misunderstood the letter. <laughs> That's why we need interpreters. <laughs> he misunderstood the letter. He's thinking that, uh, the king of Syria is asking him to heal or cure uh, one of his servants. And, um, then he, he mentioned in the latter part of verse seven, but consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. He's thinking the man is trying to go to war with him, but that was not the case. We, we already read what the little girl told her, her, her master. Okay. Verse eight, it happened when Elisha, Elisha is the prophet who has the faith that surpasses all understanding. When Elisha, the man of God, this is the man of God who spoke to the people of Israel on behalf of God at that time, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, which means he was in great distress. He was upset that he sent word to the king saying, and when they say that he sent word to the king, we're talking about Elisha saying, why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. This sounds like he didn't know beforehand, doesn't it? Okay, let's keep reading. Verse nine says, so Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, now at this time, I need to stop right here. Elisha didn't go and present himself. He sent his word. He sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, the Jordan River he's talking about, and your flesh will be restored to you and you will be clean. Verse 11 says, but Naaman was furious. He was very upset and went away and said, behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, not our God. So Naaman was a non-believer at, the, at this time. To the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. That's what he thought Elisha was going to do. Verse 12 says, are not Abana and Pharpa These are rivers, uh, saints, the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel. Now, why is he saying this? Because those are rivers that are known to be very clean. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And I need to uh, explain about these rivers a little bit more in depth so you can get a clear understanding. Now, Abana was a river, a modern Barada. It began in Lebanon, mountains and, and, and flowed to Damascus. It had clear water and it produced orchids and, and gardens. The water was very clear. And the Parpa River, it flowed east from uh, Mount Hermon to the south of Damascus. Now, if Naaman needed to wash in a river, those two rivers were superior in his mind to the muddy Jordan River. Because the Jordan River was very muddy. However, it was the obedience to God's word that was the issue, not the quality of the water. That was the issue, the obedience to God's word. Now, verse 13 says, then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, my father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean. Now, these are people who work for him, who work for Naaman, who was telling him that, look, if the prophet is telling you to do this, we think you should do this because they already knew or at least some of them knew about the great miracles that Elisha had performed while in Israel. Now, verse 14 says, so he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, just like Elisha told him to do according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Hallelujah. What we just witnessed here. Saints is a non-believer being healed through the faith that initiated through a little girl who sent word that there was a prophet in Israel that could heal this great man from his leprosy, from his skin condition. Verse 15 says, when he returned to the man of God, which means that Naaman went back. He went to try to talk to or not really try because he was able to talk to him this time. Elisha with all his company and came and stood before him. He said, behold, now. I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel, not in Saudi Arabia, but in Israel. So please take a present from your servant now, my God, my God, my God, hallelujah. He tried to give Elisha a present, which simply means a blessing. Verse 16 says, but he said, who? Elisha, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will take nothing. And he urged him to take it. Who? Naaman urged Elisha to take the gift, but Elisha refused. Hallelujah. Now, verse 17 says, Naaman said, if not, please let your servant at least be given to mews load of earth. Now, right here, he's talking about. The soil of Israel. For your servant will no longer offer burnt offerings, nor will he sacrifice to other gods, talking about pagan gods, which the non-Israelites worshipped, pagan gods, but to the Lord. Hallelujah. He's talking about the Lord, the God of Israel. Let me elaborate a little bit more on this because remember, this is a teaching segment. I want you guys to get all the understanding that you can get. In the ancient uh, Near East, it was thought that a god could worship only on the soil of the nation to which he was bound. In this case, it's Israel. Therefore, Naaman wanted a load of Israelite soil so that he could make burnt offerings and sacrifices to the Lord when he returned to Damascus. Now, he ain't talking about his pagan god that that couldn't heal him a God that they were worshiping that, that, that did not exist. This was a God in words only and in sight only. He was talking about the God of Israel. So here's what's important here, saints. Not only did Elisha heal this man and this man knew that the power that Elisha had came directly from God, he switched from worshiping his pagan God to the true and living God in Israel, which was Yahweh or Jehovah. Now this request confirmed, the request about the soil, it confirmed now that Naaman had changed, whereas he had previously, you know, disparaged Israel's river. Now he wanted to take a pile of Israel's soil to Damascus. You guys need to, look, you guys need to grasp this, the power of God's healing change this man's mind about worshiping idol gods. And let me tell you something. If you are never sick, how can you experience the healing power of God? If you are never overcome by sin, how can you experience the delivery power of God? Now, you see, the key is after you experience this deliverance through the faith of someone who is a believer, the time now is to turn away from your idol God the gods that you worship that doesn't exist, gods that you created in your own mind or gods that you are following because of someone else's belief. And now is the time that you turn around and that is what we are witnessing here by Naaman. Verse 18 says, In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. This is Naaman still talking. When my master goes into the house of Ramon to worship there, and he leans on my hand and I bow myself in the house of Remen. When I bow myself in the house of Rimon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Now the Hebrew term for Rimon is pomegranate. We all know that fruit is a very powerful uh, fruit. fruit. Um, is a parody of Syrian deity. Hadad, whom the Assyrians name Romanu. Now, these words are challenging, you know, back in that day, which means the thunderer. Now, Hadad was the storm god whom the Assyrians worshipped and usually identified with the Canaanite god Baal, um, who was a fertility god. Now, as an aide to Syrians king, Naaman's duty demanded that he accompany the king to religious services at the temple of Rimmon in Damascus. Now, Naaman requested that the Lord forgive this outward compromise of his true faith in a commitment to the Lord. See, Raman was changing everything about him, himself, because he had just been healed by the God of Israel. This also tells us that even non-Israelites back in the biblical days were accepted by God if they believed. If they believed, just like today, God is accepting everyone. It doesn't matter which nationality you you are from or you were born in. It doesn't matter which country you were born in. Everybody through Christ, the Messiah, For the forgiveness of sins is accepted by God if they believe in the finished works of Christ. It has nothing to do with religion. Remember, Christ came to save. He did not come to give us religion. He came to save and that he opened up a door for us to have a personal relationship with God and that we are saved from the wrath that's due to come. Because judgment day is coming, saints. That was God's ultimate plan. For us to become one in Christ, not to create all these different denominations. Man did that. But see, man is just being man. And unfortunately, um, man is going to pay some dear consequences because of their belief and because they are putting a stumbling block in the way of those who are seeking the true and living God. And are being deterred because of these denominations and because of these religions that are out here. And as it stands today, there are over 10,000 religions that has put a stumbling block in the way of man so that they can't get to Christ. Hallelujah. Because Christ is the only stepping stone to God. Acts 4.12. For there is no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. No other man. And if you read that in its entirety, it's talking about through the Messiah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's continue. Verse 19 says, he said to him, go in peace. So he departed from him some distance. Remember, Elisha didn't take any gifts or blessings from him. Because Elisha's thing was, God provides for me. I You don't need to pay me for Sending you to the Jordan River where you can be healed. You don't need to pay me for that. Uh, verse 20 says, but Gehazi, this is a servant of, of Elisha, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, not Gehazi. Elisha is the man of God. Thought, behold, my master has spared this Naman, the, the Arameen, by not receiving from his hands what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. Now, this is the greed of Elisha's servant, but he will pay dearly for this because his actions misrepresents God, which misrepresents Elisha, who represents God. Verse 21 says, so Gehazi pursued Naaman. He was running behind them. When Naaman saw one running after him, he came down from the chariot to meet him and said, is all well. He said, all is well. My master has sent me saying, now this is the first lie he is telling because Elisha didn't send him anywhere. My master has sent me saying, behold, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothes. Verse 23 says, Naman said, be pleased to take Two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags. Two talents of silver was about 150 pounds. That's a lot of silver. Uh, in two bags with two changes of clothes and gave them to two of his servants and they carried them before him. Verse 24 says When he came to the hill, he took them from their hand and deposited them in the house. And he sent the men away and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master and Elisha said to him, where have you been Gehazi? Now Elisha knew because he was a prophet. He knew in spirit. He wasn't there physically, but he knew because God used Elisha mightily in that day. And he said, who? The servant said, your servant went nowhere. Now this is the second lie he told to the man of God. Your servant went nowhere. Verse 26 says, then he said to him, did not my heart go with you? This is Elisha talking. When the man turned from his chariot to meet you, is it a time to receive money and to receive clothes and olive groves and and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female servants? Was this a time for you to do this? Verse 27 says, therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. Now, this is Elisha pronouncing a curse on his servant, Gehazi. So he went out from his presence, a leper as white as snow. Now, my question is, if he turned white as snow, what color was he before that? Okay, I'll let that sink in for a little bit. But this was a misrepresentation of God. And then he lied about it. If he had told the truth and just said, Look, you turned it down, but I wanted it, I did go behind him, the outcome would have been different. Saying so in this I want you to take away is not lying about things. Now trot on over to chapter six Hallelujah. A faith that surpasses all understanding. We witnessed in chapter five, a non-believer be healed from leprosy. Even though he was a mighty man, he was not a man of God. He was not a man that believed in a true and living God. He was a man that worshiped idol gods. Yeah, gods that don't exist, that couldn't heal him. But when he came on over to the man of God, the prophet Elisha, who was a prophet of Yahweh, Elisha healed him by telling him to go and wash in the Jordan River. Hallelujah. And for those who don't know, that's where our Lord and Savior, Jesus, was baptized by John, the baptizer, his cousin. Hallelujah. And my hope one day is to be baptized in the Jordan River. Before I leave this earth, I do plan on going and being baptized in the Jordan River in Israel. My Lord, I feel like crying and shouting right now. So are you there? Chapter six, beginning at verse one. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, behold, now the place before you where we are living is too limited for us. It's too small. Please let us go to the Jordan and each of us take from there a beam and let us make a place there for ourselves where we may live. So he said, go. So Elisha said, go. Then one said, please be willing to go with your servants. And he answered, I shall go. Verse four says, so he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head, meaning the iron part of the axe, fell into the water and he cried out and said, alas, my master for it was borrowed. He had borrowed this axe. Now, these were not actually Elisha's children, his sons. They called them sons because they were under the tutelage of Elisha. He was training them to be prophets. They were chosen to be prophets and he was training them. Verse six says, Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there. And made the iron float. Now, this in itself was a miracle. He made the iron float. Elisha did. Now, Elisha threw a stick in the river at the exact spot where the axe head had fallen. And the stick caused the heavy iron object to float to the surface. Now, through this miracle, the Lord again provided for one more who was faithful to him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh my God, God is good. Because when could a stick make iron float in water? This was actually another miracle. Verse six, uh, verse seven says, he said, take it up for yourself. So he put out his hand and took it. He picked up the iron head. Verse 8, now the king of Aram, Syria, was warring against Israel at this time. So whatever, they had fallen out. And he counseled with his servants, saying, in such and such a place shall be my camp. He wanted the land of Israel. Remember, I told you guys in the past, whenever we talk about Israel, Israel's land was very blessed. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, saying... Beware that you do not pass this place for the Arameans are coming down there. The Arameans are coming down there. Now, Elisha receiving supernatural revelation, continually identified to Jehoram, which is the king of Israel, the Israelites towns, which the king of Aram or or Syria planned to attack, Elisha always gave this information to the king so that he could stay one step ahead of his enemies. Now Jehoram then took the proper precautions and appropriately fortified those towns so as to frustrate or confuse the Syrian plan. Hallelujah. And the king of Syria was frustrated. He he just he couldn't understand how the Israelites knew his plan, but wait, this is what, this is how the king of Israel knew the plans of the Syrians. Let's look at verse 10. The king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him, thus he warned him so that he guarded himself there. More than once or twice. Verse 11 says, Now the heart of the king of Aram or Syria was enraged over this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you tell me which of us is for the king of Israel? He thought that there was a spy in his camp that was going back and sharing their plans with the king of Israel. Verse 12 says, One of his servants said, No, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel, the words that you speak in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. Because the prophet knew all things. God was protecting Israel because remember Israel at the time or the Israelites were God's chosen people because of the promises that God, God made to their forefathers. Verse 13 says, so he said, go and see where he is that I may send and take him. And it was told to him saying, Behold, he is in Dotham. Now, verse 14 says, He sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now, I just want to explain to you when they said, Go and take him. Now, the kings of Syria, uh, their plan was to capture Elisha, who, because he knew all of the king's secrets. So the king thought by capturing Elisha, he wouldn't be able to go back and share, you know, his plans and his secrets and that he would not be free to inform Israel's king. Now, Dothan, Dothan was a town in the hill country of uh, Manasseh. It was located about 10 miles north of Samaria and, and 12 miles south of Jezreel. Dothan commanded a key mountain pass along a main road that connected Damascus and Egypt. My Lord, my Lord. Now, verse 12 says, one of his servants said, no, my Lord. No, we, you, you know what? See, when I start uh sharing commentary, sometimes I lose my spot. Uh Let me go down. Where were we? Okay, we ended verse 13. Now, let's pick up at verse 14. He sent horses and chariots. Now, this is the king of Syria. He sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. My Lord, here is what we are going to talk about walking by faith and not by sight and the great faith of Elisha. Verse 15 says, now when the attendant of the man of God, the attendant to Elisha had risen early and gone out behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. This is what he saw. And his servant said to him, alas, you know, this means, uh, look, I'm in shock. I'm upset. Something's going on here. Alas, my master, what shall we do? And verse 16 says, so he answered, who? Elisha answered, do not fear. For those who are with us, are more than those who are with them. My God, my God, my God. Verse 17 says, Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. In other words, see what I see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of the fire all around Elisha. This was the army of hosts. This was spiritual. This was God's angels protecting Elisha. And Elisha knew it. He was a man of God. But let let me tell you, Elisha wasn't divine. He wasn't the Messiah. He was a strong believer. He was a prophet chosen by God. He studied under Elijah, the great prophet, whom John the Baptist came in the power and spirit of. Elijah. Elisha was his protege. And he walked by faith, not by sight. But in this instance, he asked God to open the eyes of his servant so that he could see what he saw. This was symbolic. This is one of the reasons we should walk by faith and not by sight. We know God is protecting us. Pray that hedge of protection around us. We don't need to see it. We just need to know it's there. Elisha knew it was there, but his servant who didn't have faith didn't believe because he was walking by what he saw until Elisha said, and Elisha prayed and said, Oh Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. Now let's pick up at verse 18. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people with blindness. Now this is not a, not talking about a blindness where they can't see because their eyes were destroyed. It is talking about a bright light, a bright light, because we are getting ready to read about the mercy and compassion and grace of Elisha because he was a true man of God. He, Could have said, Lord, strike him down, but he didn't. He didn't. Listen now to people with blindness. That's with a bright light, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Elisha never never asked God to harm them men who were being sent by their king. They were doing what the king asked them to do. They were a member of the king of Assyria's army. So verse 19 says, then Elisha said to them, the men, they didn't even know this was Elisha talking to them. This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he brought them to Samaria. Now Elisha wasn't lying because Elisha does live in Samaria and the man whom they were seeking was Elisha. They didn't know that's who they were talking to, but Elisha was not a liar. Now, remember, Elisha could have asked God to strike them down, but he did not. This is the mercy and compassion of grace that is coming forth from the man of God. Verse 20 says, when they had come into Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Hallelujah. Verse 21 says, then the king of Israel, when he saw them, said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? Listen to Elisha's response. Now the king was listening to the prophet. The prophet had more authority in the sight of God than the king. Verse 22 says, he, he who Elisha answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those? You have taken captive with your sword and with your bow, set bread and water before them. Not only did he say not kill them, he said, feed them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Hallelujah. Verse 23 says, so he prepared a great feast. So what was the feast for? Now in the ancient near east, a common meal It simplified the making of a covenant between two parties. So Elisha was saying, let's establish this covenant with this great feast for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. And the marauding bands of Arameans did not come again into the land of Israel. Hallelujah. 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 Saints, before we close, let's talk about this. What we witnessed here is the power of the faith that surpasses all understanding through Elisha, the obedient prophet. He was very obedient in the eyes of the Lord. His servant, who did not have the faith that Elisha had, Elisha still had compassion on him, saying, He prayed to God and said, God open his eyes. And the servant was able to see the army of of hosts protecting them. That's why Elisha wasn't uh, in in disarray. He wasn't panicking. He wasn't afraid. He he wasn't going to be afraid anyway. But he knew the protection was there without seeing. This is why we walk by faith and not by sight. Saints, we need to develop this faith. How does faith come? It comes by hearing the word of God. And you just heard the word of God. This is why we read scripture here. You need to see how faith comes. And and one of the reasons I chose this series is so that you can see who the heroes of faith in the Old Testament were. We also have heroes of faith in the New Testament, which is where we will be moving to um, not next week, but the week after. I'm going to take off next weekend and play for you a sermon by Bishop Freddie Caldwell Sr., one of my favorite teachers in the word who went on to be with the Lord um, in... 2022. My God, I, I I just look, it touched me. I don't want to talk about it too much because I'll start crying, but I love him. I know he's in the bos- bosom of Jesus, a true man of God, but we build our faith by hearing the word of God, not hearing uh, people misrepresent scripture, misquote a scripture. And some of the scriptures I'm hearing now, not scriptures, but some of the quotes I'm hearing now is God will break you. God doesn't break you. The Bible clearly says that God will turn around anything that's, that's meant to harm you. God will turn it around for you and make it do good toward you. Now, that's one of the many versions I have. Okay, God doesn't break you. See, when you know God, the true and living God, you know who's doing what. Because it is the devil who harms. It's the devil who puts sickness on you. It is God who heals you. It is the devil who tempts you with sin because he knows your flesh is weak, but it is God who will provide a way out for you not to commit that sin. You need to know who's talking to you. And the worst thing you can do is listen to somebody contribute the works of the devil to God because they clearly don't know John ten ten, that the thief comes not except to kill, to steal and destroy. Now, if the thief which is an alias for Satan, kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus said, but I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. Why are some of you accusing God of killing your child? Or accusing God of causing you to lose that job when it's something you did or accusing God of the bad things that are happening in your marriage? Well, God must not want me with him. No, God never told you to marry him or her. You chose to do it on your own. We are not to be unequally, unequally yoked with a non-believer. But saints, this message is a fate that surpasses all understanding. How many of you, and my hand is raised too, at that time would have acted just like Elisha's servant? Yeah, me too. You look out that window and you see thousands of, of uh, men of an army of Syria coming to take Elisha. I would have panicked too, probably would have passed out. But Elisha was there. To help build this man's faith and ask God to open his eyes so that he could see that they were well protected. Hallelujah. Saints, look, I enjoy talking to you. I hope you were blessed by this. And my prayer is that you have an open mind to understand this message and an open heart to receive it. Because God's word never returns to him void. It accomplishes that which it is sent out to do. Hallelujah, saints. Praise God. So with that said, saints, enjoy the rest of your day. I pray nothing but healing and blessings on you and your family. Peace out. I hope you were blessed by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode or any previous episodes, please send your comments or questions to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. And if you would like to support this podcast financially, because it has been a blessing to you, go to one of my five podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Radio Public, and contribute an amount of your choice. Or you can send your seed to me via Cash App. Dollar sign, Dr. Kamla D. That's dollar sign, capital D, lowercase R, capital C, lowercase A-M-A-L-E, capital D. Anything you choose to send will be greatly appreciated. Now until next time, saints. Remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time.